0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBurge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings
2: with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly-
1: And Happy New Year! Good morning on this first Monday of the brand new year. No, I'm not Carmen. I'm Paul. She's got the day off. This is, though, still Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio, and thank you for listening. Hope you had a great Christmas break. I hope you enjoyed our best-of shows, plus some stuff. And, okay, a little cleanup on aisle five, because we were doing some giveaways during that. We, you know, we had some interviews and had some leftover books and thought, hey, why not give them away during the holidays, and... Then our text line broke for a few days. Okay, so if you were by chance listening last week and still enjoying or listening to the podcast and enjoying some of the interviews, like with Fernando Arroyo, the author of uh, what was that, "The Shadow of Death"? You heard that in this past Monday, or if you heard the Ronnie Kurtz interview on Fruitful Theology, or uh, the George Wood interview we did Wednesday on the Uncovery. And you still want to win a copy of the book? I'll tell you what. It does no good on our shelves. So why don't you still text the word BOOK? we got it fixed now. Text the word BOOK to eight seven seven I'd like to get these books into somebody's hands so it can benefit somebody. So again, I bring that up. That's just some cleanup on aisle five. Anyway, as we start out the morning, as Carmen usually does, I want to continue, and that's to look at our Growing Your Faith verse, which you just heard a few moments ago, hopefully. Jeremiah 6.16, and this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. One aspect of that verse that was missing from when we were doing the Growing Your Faith verse because of time is the last line. But you said, we will not walk in it. Okay, getting back to the core is what we're looking at, asking for the good way. So we find rest. A lot of people seem to see this as, hey, let's just return to the good old days. Let's get back to then and all would be good. I kind of remember hearing Ed Stetzer joking, you know, because he's a church missiologist and, you know, talking about how the church functions. And he talked about how many churches and many people just wish the world would return to the 1950s and we'd be able to do ministry right then. That's not what this verse is really getting at. It is calling for something ever so much deeper. So, let's dig into the context of Jeremiah 6.16. If you are to look at just chapter 6, or even beyond that, uh, Jeremiah is a book where, okay, the nation of Judah was keeping this thin veneer of being, hey, we're the people of God, but... Many were also actively worshiping false gods, the gods of Baal and Asherah, which is a breaking of the first three commandments of the Ten Commandments that call for our total faith and spiritual allegiance to be to God alone. This often led to breaking of the commandment against sexual immorality and adultery, as there was prostitution in the worship of these false gods. That's bad enough. But then women and children were being exploited, even, you know... They're being exploited not only in the worship of these false gods, but even outside of it, because, you know, the one thing led to another. The Sabbath rest wasn't being observed. People were trusting in their own ability to provide instead of trusting in gods. And this would often lead the rich, the nobles of the land, to force the work uh, the poor to work, not allowing them rest. And again, further exploitation. Uh You know, again, talking about the rich exploiting the poor, breaking the commandments against false witness, theft, and coveting. And they were able to use their power to just power their way over these people who were of lesser power. What about the religious leaders? Well, the priest and prophet of that day, oftentimes they were speaking of God's gracious favor, but no call to repentance and to return to the ways of Yahweh. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophet was one who correctly foretold the coming horde of Babylon to judge. It was God's hand of judgment against Israel, against Judah, because of their sin. And he was using Babylon to do it. And that, that God would send them into judgment because they're into exile because of their wickedness. Oh, yeah, there were false prophets claiming to speak for Yahweh, some having some impressive credentials like one named Hananiah saying, hey, God, in two years would be breaking the yoke of Babylon. Nothing to worry about. And, of course, the king and the nobles followed him because it's what they wanted to hear. They didn't want to repent of the ways that break God's laws and the consequences that lead to destruction. They wanted, to, he, they wanted only to hear about God's grace and just continue on doing whatever you want to do. Not a problem there. No call to repentance. No call to walk in the ancient paths and the good way that would find them rest. Now, about those ancient paths, too often people think, you know, when it comes to... I, I, I've already brought up the Ten Commandments and walking in them, them as a way of being faithful to God. They're not just arbitrary rules. The Ten Commandments, and if you want to add on the two great commandments that Jesus uh, reiterated about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself, these things are hard baked into creational order. It's part of what makes the world that we know function well, not just for us as individuals, but as a society. So, for as a as a people to thrive, uh, for people to thrive, to follow these good and to I'm getting stumbling over myself. Pardon me. But for as for us as a people to thrive, these are the ways for our good, for the good of all, leads not to follow them, leads to loves that cannot satisfy and often leads to the exploitation of others and eventually to death, not just as individuals, but as a people, as a society. Like I said, the invitation of Jeremiah 6.16, it's still a beautiful invitation, happened in the midst of one of Judah's darkest times. Judgment was coming But that doesn't mean the invitation to turn and follow God isn't there. It is. God's first desire is for relationship with his people and for them to walk in the good ways that lead to thriving. So here we are at the crossroads, leaving 2022, getting into 2023. Are you hearing the calling? What in your life goes against those ancient paths, the Ten Commandments or the two great commandments, the very things the creator built into his creation? Are you starting the year starting here at the crossroads, looking for the ancient paths to find the good ways of the good creator God so we can find rest for our souls. There is a song Andrew Peterson wrote several years ago. I know we like featuring his music, and we talked to him just recently about uh, his Wingfeather Saga now being a video series. Well, Andrew Peterson many years ago wrote a song to his son who was hitting puberty, about to become a man, There was a lot, and there still is a lot, that uh, can pull us from God's ways. And this verse was the basis of his hope and petition to his son, a song he called, You'll Find Your Way. But if you don't have a teen, don't worry, you can still appreciate the meaning of the song. It's a great one. Let's just listen to a portion of it right now here on Mornings with Carmen. Oh, what are your plans for spiritual growth in this new year of 2023? I'm Paul, and this, I'm filling in for Carmen today on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Tell you what, why don't you tell me what you're doing? I'd love to hear. Just text us what you're doing at 877-933-2484. What are some of your plans to help you grow more spiritually this year? Any plans as far as you fellowshipping with other believers, both inside and outside, just the Sunday morning corporate time of worship? Or maybe you're not currently doing that And maybe this is the year you're saying, I should get back to church. I'd love to hear that. What about your own personal Bible engagement? Are you looking for something like reading through the Bible in a year? Oftentimes, to get through such a daunting task is have a plan, have a roadmap. And if you go to our website, myfaithradio.com, we have one right there. You can quickly download and start engaging the Bible this year, maybe getting through the Bible in a year. I did see at the Gospel Coalition for those thinking, okay, a year is too aggressive. How about a two-year reading through the Bible plan? They have one. Um, there are a lot, actually a lot of great plans, but if all of those seem a little too ambitious to you, that doesn't mean you can't still engage Scripture deeply. And actually, for those who have, maybe you've read through the Bible and in, in the year. Uh, by the way, Ryan Mitchell is the one uh, producing today. I can't do it this all myself. Ryan, have you read through the Bible in a year? I have not gone through a plan exactly like that. No, I haven't. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've done a few. Um, the one like we have at MyFaithRadio.com I've done. I had a friend who uh, is a Old Testament scholar, and he actually developed one where— How we have our Old Testament arranged is different than how the Jewish people have theirs arranged. And so as far as the Old Testament portion, he had it rearranged as the Jewish Bible would have Mm. it organized. And that actually – I, I, maybe I should try and see if if if, uh, if uh, he'd be willing to come on and explain it sometime, but it, it, it just has a different emphasis, a different feel to it because sure. it, there there's a definite story being told in the way it's organized in the Jewish Bible, which was quite interesting. But there's another thing I want to suggest. Um, as one, maybe you've read through the Bible in a year many times. How about going deeper this year? Instead of reading through and cursing through, I mean, you're you're cruising through all this stuff really quickly. How about sitting down and actually reading a Bible? Actually, a few years ago, somebody challenged me to read a book of the Bible, read through it, then read it over, then read it over, then read it over. And I thought, okay, let's try that. And so what I did in the first year I did this, I went to the books of the epistles in the New Testament written by Paul. And I would just read the. I'd start with one of the books, read it, read it over, read it over, read it over, read it over. And then I went to one of the other books. And then, you know, I went through. Within a year, I read all of Paul's epistles multiple times. And then I did something similar with the other epistles, the ones not written by Paul, minus Revelation. I haven't gone through that one that way yet and then i did the gospels i spent the first quarter of the year in matthew and then mark in the second quarter luke and john in the following quarters and then this past year i uh, spent pretty much the whole year just focused on the gospel of john just rereading it 17 times because i was reading a chapter a day and 17 times i used various translations i you know just to get a different feel each time but one things some of the things that really came out when doing this it's like I'm starting to hear the heart of the writer, both the earthly writer and God himself, because each of the books are written for a goal, a purpose, and all of a sudden you get to see how they're fulfilling that purpose and that goal in what they're writing about. It's um, it's also interesting because all of a sudden I saw the connections between some of these books a lot better. It, um, For example, reading the Gospel of John and then actually I spent a few days this past week during cuz you know it's like I can't start the gospel of John and finish it so I was doing the epistle of 1 John again and it's like wait a minute all the thing there was such connection between what John was writing in the gospel and then all of a sudden a lot of the stuff he wrote in the first epistle of John it's like you see deeper connections so if you've never read through If you've never done a Bible through the year, or even if you have, this is a great way to engage more deeply and just allow God's word to wash over you in a a wonderful way. Like I I said, you almost start hearing the voice of the writer, again, both the human writer and the Holy Spirit, too, in, in deeper ways. Now, what about Bible memorization? Have you done that before? because that's even more focused. Let's talk about that in just a few moments here on Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Paul filling in for Carmen today. Good morning. Please
0: prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible gift to Faith Radio before the year ends. You can give now by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or join the support team at myfaithradio.com. Thanks a lot.
1: So what do you do when you get a message on, say, your phone, a text message, or maybe something on Facebook Messenger or another app from someone you don't know? Do you respond? Now, usually I don't, but just a couple of weeks ago, I did. I want to tell you about that in just a moment. I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm filling in here on Faith Radio for this Monday. Carmen will be with us tomorrow. Hey, A quick uh, message from the text. Somebody said, hey, guys. Know that if you're doing the Bible in a year, that's like 15 to 20 minutes per day of reading the Bible for that one year Bible plan. That's nothing. Most of us spend triple that time on social media. So we're without excuse. Okay, you're right. And I agree with you. And again, reading through the Bible of the year in a year is a great way to engage scriptures. Not the only, but it is a great way. If you've never done it, I would highly encourage it. I have done it many times myself. Now, back to that message. That I got on Facebook Messenger. This would be a couple weeks ago. It was from somebody saying, um, "Are you the Paul Perot who used to work at eighty-eight point five FM in wausau Stevens Point?" Now, back between nineteen ninety-two and two thousand four, I did work there, and I was kind of going, "Okay, this is kind of weird." Is she? Is this person just kind of, I don't know, some sort of radio groupie or whatever? Anyway, I responded. <laughs> Probably dumb, but I responded, yes, that was me. Then she responded, I remember how they encourage Bible memorization, especially the Hebrews verse about not forsaking the fellowship of believers. It's what prompted me to start attending church, and that gave me the courage to finally leave my sheltered home environment. I I was... Wow, I was I was dumbstruck there for a bit. Because when I was at that station, I um, started doing an on-air campaign based upon Desiring God Ministries' five-year Bible memorization plan called Fighter Verses. I did it with their permission. They were cool with it, just so you know. And so every week I would put together a little one-minute um, spot, you know, a little announcement that would air at various times during the day reiterating the verse of the week as well as giving some encouragements on how to do Bible memorization. And to hear about, again, how that changed somebody's life. If you've never done focused Bible memorization, it's a great way to engage Scripture and one that can easily be done not only as an individual, but you can do it as a family, even just as a couple. There are some good Bible memorization plans out there. Navigators have the topical memory system. There's the fight over, fighter verse one I mentioned. There's many others out there. Some of the things I remember from doing the fighter verses back then and some of the tips for Bible memorization to make it more easy because maybe you're going, I'm not that good at memorizing. You don't have to be because guess what? When you just focus on a verse over the course of a week and there's little, little, I won't call them tricks, but little things you can do to help make it work better. For example... Have cards of the verses that you can take with you so you can pull out at any moment or, of course, these days with us having our cell phones, there are apps that do this for you as well where you can just instead of pulling out your phone and doom scrolling, uh, you can pull up your Bible verse for the day and just recite it a few times. Uh there again, there are plenty of apps out there. I know the fighter verses do have an app. That that one's like a three dollar app. There's other ones that are three, are free, that is. Easy to do. You can take those cards and hang them in places you frequent, say like the bathroom, put it on the bathroom mirror, so as you're, you know, putting on makeup or shaving in the morning or whatever, you can look at that verse and think about it. Um you can put it on the fridge or on your microwave, stuff like that. Here's the key. Read the verse aloud with the scripture reference, several times a day. Do it ten times in a row on the first day. And, you know, there's other things, other ways of making sure you're reading it that way. Um, also, spend some time reading the verse in its context. You know, the first day, I mean, pull up not only the verse like we did a little while ago looking at Jeremiah uh, 6.16, which has this beautiful promise, and then you look at its context and you all of a sudden see this, how brightly this jewel shines. And oftentimes when a good verse is chosen like that, or maybe you have memorized already because you've seen it so many places, Jeremiah 29, 11, which is, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. That verse, which many of us hold on to, it's one of my wife's favorite verses, happens in the midst oops, of judgment again, and yet God is still offering. He, he has plans. He loves. He cares. So in the midst of that, you, you you can see something deeper from that. Then as a couple, as a family, you can actually encourage each other, quiz each other. One of the quick games that we learned to do, and I was doing this with my kids for a while, is, okay, I would write out the verse but leave out words. You know, put the, um, for I know the Blank, I have for you, declares Blank, stuff like that. You can take out words, and people fill it. in. or another one is you take the verse, type it out, and then you cut the paper up. It has to be printed out for this to work. So each of the words is separate, uh, are in separate sections on separate pieces of paper, and you organize them. And that that's another way. I mean, that's a quick way. These are just little tricks. How about music? Now. This is easy in the modern day because of uh, YouTube and, and Spotify. You oftentimes can find a verse based upon, if not word for word, the verse you're memorizing these days by going on YouTube, by going on Spotify. It's so easy. There's actually some Bible memorization plans that already have a whole bunch of songs. So you can easily memorize verses that way. Now, as important as verse memorization is, Spend time meditating on the verse. Don't don't think about the goal of being, I want to have this in my mind so I can, you know, I can rattle it off on what they used to call sword drills. Ryan, ever do sword drills in in uh, your youth group in school? Or, I you know, haven't church? heard of
2: that term, but I mean, it sounds like something that I've done. It probably just wasn't called sword drills. Okay, exactly. okay, but, so, you know, yeah.
1: Bible quizzing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing here. It's not just about being able to rattle off the verse, but letting it get into your heart. like. Remember, I was talking about this former listener of the station. Well, the listener of the station I used to work at in central Wisconsin. And how the verse challenged her in a loving way and changed her life for the good. Allow God's word to speak through the verse to help you walk in the ancient paths we've been mentioning earlier. Now, maybe you have some Bible verse memorization scripts, uh, tricks, you know, or... Maybe again, what are you doing to engage the Bible more deeply this year? We'd love to hear your story this morning, 877-933-2484. I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. And again, good Monday morning. I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio, as hopefully you, even during the Christmas break, you've been praying the news. I tell you, lots to pray about. Russia has intensified missile attacks over the Christmas break against Ukraine. matter of fact, I saw a news article this morning about how one of the Iranian-made drones that the Ukrainians shot down on New Year's Day had scribbled on it. They found the wreckage, and on one of the wings there was scribbled on their Happy New Year. (laughs) Nice little uh, way of saying hi, uh, Happy New Year, but continue to pray as things still seem to be intensifying in that area. There's talk in Russia about a new round of mobilizations because they're running short on troops again. And there's also the concern that uh, Russia may start using these hypersonic missiles against Ukraine, which I was seeing one analyst talking about how, okay, the only work on targets that aren't moving if you have moving targets they're not very at this point very effective and the iranian military has been very mobile scurrying around so um okay there's that and then thankfully on, on a more positive note there was a um there was concerns in former Yugoslavia, Serbia and Kosovo. They've been at odds. It got ra- ratcheted up right before Christmas, where there was the possibility of another ground war breaking out in Europe, in in uh, the former Yugoslavia. But thankfully, negotiations have brought down the tension. So hopefully, that will not be happening. As I was looking at that, I saw an article. I want to. I'll share. We'll share with you in our show notes about Christian peacemakers back when Yugoslavia fell apart and there was a lot of contention, a lot of angst between the different ethnic groups like there is right now because Kosovo is primarily ethnic Albanian, but most of Serbia is Serbian, right? And there's these ethnic tensions that arise. And yet during the fall apart of of Yugoslavia, the reason things didn't get a lot worse than they were Yes, there was the uh, the United Nations and NATO helping out, but there was also Christians and others who were trying to be peacemakers in that situation, and they were seen as, tra- as traitors at the time, but they helped, helped transition this time of – unrest in yugoslavia when it fell apart into well what were more stable nations so i'll be sharing the sh- those in the show notes a little bit later this morning coming up in three minutes okay here our goal at mornings with carmen is to help you apply the mind of christ to the matters of the day your personal matters and your public engagement And it's so easy to fall into the polarization traps of our world right now, especially in the political sphere of our lives. So how do we bring the mind of Christ and the ancient paths we've been talking about, the ways of God's wisdom, into the new year, into the way we engage the world? Well, let's talk with Dan Bennett in three minutes. He's a political scientist at the Center for Faith and Flourishing at John Brown University. That's coming up here on Faith Radio. This is Mornings with Carmen. Without Carmen, though, I'm Paul, and even though she's not here, Dan Bennett, one of our regulars who helps us understand what's happening in the political sphere, is joining us. Happy New Year, Dan. Happy
2: New Year. Thank you.
1: So did you have a good Christmas, apart from hearing a bit of a cold there?
2: Yeah, no, it's been working its way through our family, but Christmas was great. Uh, You know, we've been trying to just treasure the moments we have with our kids. They're ten, eight, and seven, and uh, this was a particularly nice Christmas season uh, to spend with them. Mm,
1: good. Now, I was just asking our listeners a little while ago, and somebody chimed in. I'll read that in a moment here. Um, Daniel, uh, you and your family—any specific ways, any specific Bible reading plans or Bible engagement plans that you and your family do? I know this. I didn't say I was going to ask you this, but I'm asking you anyway.
2: that's okay yeah um, we usually uh we usually actually for advent we need to get back into a routine at the beginning of the year but for advent we've been going through a series of readings uh related to uh kind of the the entire story of jesus starting from genesis uh similar to the jesus storybook bible how every story in the bible you know points back to the coming of christ the promise of christ in some way so um, we're looking for something to start the year, especially with the, uh, with the school year here starting again tomorrow for our kids. Um, in the past, it might just be a short uh, reading in the evening, um, but I think we might try to go a little bit uh, more substantive this year, maybe actually just go maybe a, a few
1: verses at a time in the Bible. That sounds like a good plan. Uh, somebody texted in a little while ago, at least the way they start off the year, Going through the book of Proverbs, a chapter a day, 31 chapters, 31 days, works perfectly. So that's one. Uh, Of course, if you have a great plan that you like to follow or just some tips – tell you what uh text us your thoughts at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. now daniel looking at the world of politics even though you know a lot of us were taking time away and probably disconnecting so we can connect more deeply with our families and just relax stuff was happening among the things right before uh the christmas break the supreme court they were asked to uh, at least make a decision regarding Title 42, which has to do with immigration. And tell you what, I'll let you set up what Title 42 is and what the Supreme Court has done at this point.
2: Sure. So during the pandemic, uh, the Trump administration exercised executive authority under existing law to uh, enact uh, greater restrictions at the border um, in terms of uh, allowing a certain number of migrants to come into the country. and they did this like I said, in the name of pandemic era uh, security and uh, just re- and those types of restrictions to try to slow the spread of the virus. Uh, it's been about two and a half years since the uh, since the policy was enacted, the Biden administration had been <clears throat> attempting or trying or planning to see the end or the winding down of this policy. <clears throat> The Supreme Court uh, decided uh, a few days before Christmas uh, to essentially allow the program to stay in effect, Uh, interestingly, at the request of Republican challengers, uh, including a number of attorneys general in different states, including Texas, uh, those states in the southern border. What's interesting, and this cuts across, uh, I was talking to you a moment ago, what's what's interesting is this cuts across some ideological and, and policy lines. You know, in, in some respects, Republicans are going to be really skeptical about continuing pandemic era relief programs, uh, whether it's related to, uh, you know, extended unemployment insurance or uh, vaccine requirements for the military, etc. Um, but at this particular issue, they're saying, no, we need to keep the policy in place. And the, and the same is true of Democrats, right? Democrats trying to extend some of these uh, policies related to, to the pandemic, but trying to wind this one down. I think we were just talking off the air the issue at play is not the pandemic it's immigration right mm-hmm. this is a proxy this is a proxy for immigration policy and at least at the moment republicans have won this particular battle at, in the larger uh, war really over immigration in the united states
1: okay now the rule is being held in place for now eventually the <laughs> supreme court will have to make some sort of decision right
2: yeah, eventually. Uh, and ultimately, what happens, this is really an administrative law case, and there's all sorts of rules and procedures for winding down a uh, an administrative policy like this pandemic-era immigration restriction. And so, um, essentially, the court's going to be the, the arbiter to make sure that the executive branch has crossed its T's, dotted its I's, and done everything it's supposed to do under existing law, to wind down an executive ruling from a previous administration,
1: mm. and again we get down to the bigger issue here: um, the immigration policy we have now. We've talked many times with people like um, uh, am I? Uh, Matt Sorens with World Relief, mm. He's also with the yes. evangel the what is it, the Evangelical Immigration Table, and yes. you know, the, right now our policy, our border policy, our immigration policy. And it has this has been the case for so many years now has been broken and there seems to be to be no consistent and concerted and joint effort to address the issue.
2: Yeah, and this is uh, one of those issues. It's it's uh, not only is it a cultural issue because it speaks to the future in many respects, the future makeup of the country. What do we want the United States of America to look like in the next 10, 20, 50 years um, but it's also an extremely complicated policy issue mm-hmm. when it comes to different types of immigration different types of visas green cards the processes for getting these the, this process started and so when you combine those two things it becomes extraordinarily complicated it reminds me a little bit of the fights over healthcare reform mm-hmm. in the early obama in the early obama years right there was this larger question of you know to what extent the, should the government be involved but it was also a question of, you know, what's the government's responsibility in these issues? And so I would I would wager immigration is even more complex and more uh, culturally uh, salient. And that's why it's just so difficult to, to move policy.
1: It is. OK, t- moving to a different topic here. Um, tomorrow, the latest session, the newest session of the of the House of Representatives will be starting off the newest congressional session. And there's still questions about who's going to be the Speaker of the House. Tell us about that. Yeah, so typically what
2: happens, uh, one of the first orders of business uh, for the new Congress, at least in the House of Representatives, is to elect Speaker of the House. Uh, Both chambers uh, elect a majority uh, or a leader for their particular party, whichever party is in the majority. In this case, it's going to be the Republicans. They will elect a majority leader and the Democrats will have a minority leader um speaker of the house is a, is the only office that's voted on by members of each party and so typically and and this has historically been the case for for a long long time whichever party's in the majority they've seen one of their own become speaker of the house but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way so if there's ever a division in the majority party that's not reconciled behind closed doors prior to the first uh, you know speaker vote then it's possible that if the minority party is really uh, organized and backing just one person, that one person could become speaker from the minority. Now, it hasn't happened, uh, but uh, that's the concern for Republicans as some more America First caucus, uh, the remnant of the Tea Party caucus, the folks really loyal to Donald Trump, are not super happy with Kevin McCarthy, the presumptive speaker, And so he's having to make a lot of concessions and appeals to these folks to make sure that they can keep their caucus together and he can remain uh, the presumptive nominee.
1: Okay. Now, technically, does the speaker have to be a member of the House of Representatives?
2: No, absolutely not. Uh, They they could decide – to uh, uh, all the Republicans could get on the same page and say, you know what, Elon Musk doesn't seem to be doing too much these days. We want him to be, <laughs> be Speaker of the House. Um, there, there was some what I'll call fan fiction and saying, you know what, Donald Trump isn't president, but hey, we could elect him Speaker of the House. And I can't imagine a, wor- I can't imagine a worse job for Donald Trump than Speaker of the House of Representatives. It's oh. something that would just be totally beyond his interest. Um, but you're right. It doesn't have to be a member of Congress. Historically, it has been, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that's just kind of a funny quirk in our constitutional system. You could be Speaker of the House tomorrow, Paul. Get your. Uh, oh, get I was gonna. I was going.
1: gonna. I was gonna say, how about Daniel Bennett?
2: Hey, I'm going back to teaching next semester, <laughs> so I, ha- I have a I have a full enough plate as it is.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, when we come back now. I saw this on Dan's blog, the Uneasy Citizenship blog. You can find it at danielbennett.substack.com. This uh, this AI chat thingy, the chat GTP, a lot of people have been having fun with it. Uh, I, I, I saw a guy who he writes under the name of NS Lyons. He's a foreign policy blogger. He It's a pseudonym. And he talked about chatting with this chat GTP about – Foreign policy stuff, and he was comparing it to what what he calls the Washington Blob um, would say, and he was actually quite impressed that you know this this chat thing could actually <laughs> actually offered some better, if equal, if not better, foreign policy recommendations. But okay, what about this chat GTP and its ability to understand American religiosity, Dan? ask the questions. We're going to hear about that coming up shortly here on Mornings with Garmin on Faith Radio.
0: Maybe you're thinking in this new year you'd like to change the world. Well, you can start by changing the world for one child. We're partnering with One Child Again, and you can sponsor a child now at MyFaithRadio.com. What happens when you sponsor a child through one child? Well, you're going to be linked to a boy or a girl who lives in a country other than your own Uh, and you're going to help supply for their tangible needs. Yes, they're going to receive the gospel of Jesus, but they're also going to receive educational assistance, supplemental food, clothing, healthcare services, and opportunities for love, friendship, and encouragement. The cost is just $39 a month, and you can sponsor a child right now at myfaithradio.com. So if you want to change the world this year, why don't you start by changing the world for one child? Sponsor a child today at MyFaithRadio.com. Because I'm just nobody, trying to tell
2: everybody all about somebody who
1: saved this is Mornings with Carmen, just without Carmen. She'll be back tomorrow. I'm Paul Perot, usually the producer, but today I get to host and I, I enjoy because I enjoy talking with Daniel Bennett, who's uh, with us right now. He's a political scientist at John Brown University and um, also one who, who took on a chat with the chat GPT thingy. I, what, it's a chat bot of some sort, right? Or at least it's, yeah. it's an interesting little device.
2: Yeah, so we've had uh, chatbots and, and other technologies like this for a long time online. You could ask questions. It's really, in many respects, kind of like a search engine, where you type in a question or a prompt, and it'll give a response. It's not that unsim- or dissimilar to going to Google and typing in a term and, and waiting for the search results. But what's different about this is it utilizes some pretty powerful artificial intelligence technology uh, that's continually improving on itself and uh, adding to its skill set, as it were, to provide some pretty sophisticated and very, and in many respects, human-sounding answers. Because that's always been the trick with AI, is, is it just sounds somewhat clunky or mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't necessarily respond in the way that a human might respond. And so, you know, if you've been on social media and you're you're familiar with this stuff, you might have seen some screenshots or some selections from uh, questions that have been posed to this to this bot and it's actually it actually sounds pretty cool one of my favorite examples uh i was listening to a podcast and they asked it a question about or they asked it to write a love story and it wrote a pretty simple standard love story but then they asked it to write the story again but this time in shakespearean uh language and oh. it wrote a very similar story but using language it may have come out of one of shakespeare's uh plays Forsooth. um yeah, it's very, very, it's really interesting. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to try to get it to help me out. I'm teaching religion and politics in the spring at, at, at John Brown University. I said, you know what, I'm just going to ask it some pretty simple questions about religion and politics or questions that might come up uh, and, and try to get its perspective on these things. And it actually turned out some pretty thoughtful answers. And I'll I'll, I'll put a caveat into that for a second. I'll come back to that. But the answers were pretty spot on, from my experience as a as a political scientist who studies religion and politics. Nothing really jumped out to me as like, well, that's kind of questionable, or uh, that doesn't seem quite right. I think it, I think it assessed why the United States' religiosity is in decline, um, and 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 so there's a couple of things with this. Uh, the, the thing that it can't do well, so at least in my uh, in, in my read on it, it can't make a lot of like value judgments. And so when I asked it, for example, to explain the value of pluralism to American society and the challenges that exist for pluralism with respect to religion, it didn't really have a good answer. It just basically said, well, pluralism is important, um, but it couldn't, it couldn't really give me an answer as to what those challenges look like and how do we try to balance those tensions. Mm-hmm. And so if, if, if this was a student response, it wouldn't have been a very good uh, attempt right because it didn't actually wrestle with the question it can regurgitate and and synthesize information really well it still is having trouble processing a lot of maybe the deeper level thinking um, and so as a professor that gave me a little bit of hope that students just won't be able to go into chatbot and type in their essay questions and receive a unique fully formed answer that they can then you know plagiarize uh, to their professor um, you know, they, it still has some work to do, but I think it's a really interesting development in artificial intelligence. And if you're ever bored at work, you can ask him a question or get a conversation going. Ask him to write you a song. I mean, th- that's one thing you can you can do, and, and then uh, you'll have something to think about for the rest of the day.
1: Well, it did poetry for you, I guess, you know, um, because did, you asked yeah, about yeah. it. Could you, you know you summarize your answer about religiosity in America by making it a poem? And it did. So. It
2: did, yeah. It made it. It made it a, a few line a little poem, which is again, it wasn't the, the the best poem, but you know, it's a poem that a computer came up with, so I think it's pretty good.
1: Well, he, he should have asked it to do it in Shakespearean sonnet. I should have. I yeah, should have. Yeah. <laughs> I, long and the short of it is, I'm looking at this and I get the general inclination that uh, at jobs for people like Ed Stetzer who analyzes religiosity in America and Tom Rayner who does something very similar, their jobs are pretty safe at this point. I'd say.
2: I would say so too.
1: <laughs> okay, but you got just a couple of moments here now. This is something I've been waiting for for a few years. You've been working on a book called "Uneasy Citizenship: Embracing the Tension in Faith and Politics," and that's due out later this year, right?
2: That's the goal. Yeah, I just sent uh, a lot or uh, a bunch of chapters to the publisher uh, before the end of the year. I'm finishing up uh, polishing a couple of final chapters before the end of this month. And uh, the the gist of the book is it's acknowledging challenges to political and cultural engagement from a Christian perspective. It's not you know saying that things are great. Everybody who's talking about problems is you know doom saying and looking for problems. But it's also saying that despite these problems, there are some real challenge or there's some real opportunities for Christians living in this particular moment in history uh, to affect and engage with our culture and our political system. From a slightly different uh, vantage point or perspective, but in a way that can be a really encouraging, uh, or, or a way that can really utilize our Christian witness in a way we haven't really been able to do over the past several decades. So I'm excited to I'm excited for it to be out there in the world, and hopefully it'll it'll be of encouragement to some of your listeners.
1: I'm just kind of wondering if you can summarize in 30 seconds what this different type of engagement you're thinking is uh, should be.
2: So yeah, so I get into this a lot in chapter five uh, of the book. Better political engagement is the tentative chapter title. It's basically less of an emphasis on outcomes and more of an emphasis on posture. And so embracing a distinctly Christian posture in our political system, uh, wherein uh, we emphasize, uh, wherein we emphasize the pursuit of justice and the common good over specific policy uh, policy wins or victories. It's where we emphasize uh, a. Uh, it, it's where we emphasize um, uh, my cold is now acting up here. So and <laughs> that's I mean, okay. That's fine okay. recalling. But the gist of it is a posture that matters more than outcomes. So often in politics, and, and frankly, rightfully so, we tend to be focused on outcomes, right? We want to see, we want to make sure our, our preferred policy or candidate wins. As Christians, I don't think we should necessarily reject that entirely when push comes to shove, we are called to be different than mm-hmm. the rest of the world, right? We are called to be in the world, not of the world. And our posture and our way of approaching politics can be a real opportunity to show that to a world that is in desperate need of something more hopeful.
1: And one of the things I think is important to it is what you did early on when we were talking about the Supreme Court and Title 42 is, you know, Having a position, you, you have a you. are stating some positions and policy outside of this camp's idea or this camp's, you know, agenda. The two different agendas yeah. that we have in our polarized society. It's it's kind of not just necessarily a third way, but what principally should yeah. we be doing? Because well, you showed well, and, how, how the sides were not being principled.
2: Yeah, and, and that was actually another component of Chapter Five. Thank you for bringing it back to my <laughs> forefront here uh consistency right so if you believe one thing in one moment you can continue to hold that same position in another moment even if it's not necessarily advantageous or beneficial to you in that later moment christians should be consistent in the views that we hold so that we're not going back and forth to whatever supposed truth is most convenient we can be confident in our ultimate truth and therefore be confident in the smaller I, I, at least in in terms of eternity the smaller uh, pieces of, uh, of, uh, viewpoints that we hold so that we're not going back and forth. Consistency matters. Mm-hmm. We should adopt a position that confounds and confuses the rest of the world. Yeah. And that would be very confusing for a political system <laughs> to be consistent these days.
1: That's, uh, consistency would be confusing. I don't like this I, <laughs> it's just a weird idea, but anyway, thank yeah. you, Dan, Daniel, for uh, joining us here on mornings with Carmen and, um, happy new year again. Happy New Year, Paul. All right, this is mornings with Carmen. Back in just a moment. Well, again, thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm Paul filling in today. Carmen will be back tomorrow. Coming up next hour. Okay, New Year, New You. How do you how do you look toward the coming year? in a good way, not, not, not coming here, it's here, but how do you live out a new you in the new year? I guess that's one way of putting it, but we'll be talking with Dr. Linda Mindel in just a few moments here on Faith Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.